if you have your Bibles, grab those. We're going to be in the book of Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 is where we'll be this morning. Um, draw your attention real quick to uh, Wednesday nights in March. We are having uh, a parenting class. And um, what that means is this, is for anybody who has kids, who doesn't have kids, who wants to have kids, hoping to have kids, has grandkids, any kind of kids, you're around kids, um, it would be a great opportunity for you uh, to be a part of this. Uh, and so we'll gather Wednesday nights. Uh, in March in this place, um, and we've got a, a special guest that's going to come and, and, and lead us uh, in those nights um, on just how, what it means to be godly parents, what it means to uh, raise your kids uh, uh, in, as, it, as, it, as we see in the scriptures, like, like what that means, how to lead, how to care, um, how to shepherd those little hearts uh, well for the glory of the Lord. And so um, that's the requirements. Um, for anybody, everybody, uh, we, we hope. And so we, we want you to even invite friends. We don't care if they come here or not. Uh, we just, we just want to make, uh, make you aware and give an opportunity for people to be able to come and uh, learn more, hear more, um, and, and see what it looks like from the scriptures uh, and, and how, to, how to do that. And so, um, like I said, it'll, it'll be here Wednesday nights, uh, 6.30. Next week, we'll have some handouts you can take and kind of blitz, blitz the community or if you have friends at work, things like that, um, to, give, to give those out uh, there. Uh, so I was ready, uh, I would say about Thursday evening, felt pretty, pretty good, kind of confident in, in where I was going early on afternoon. Uh, it was going to be in the book of Romans, chapter 1. And y'all, oh, no, 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 don't, I'm, we're Acts 20, I'm, I'm not, like, I'm not changing, okay, we're good, we're good there. Um, uh, but no, I was, Romans, Romans 1, man, and I love Romans, gosh, the book of Romans, oh, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, it's good. You know, like just the Apostle Paul and that theology and the doctrine and how he just like beats us up a little bit with it. And I just, oh, it's good stuff. And I, like I was ready. I was excited. And, um, but I talk to people. You know what I'm saying? And, and what I mean by talk to people, like I'm an eye contact guy. Like there's times where my wife's like, okay, look, it's got, look at me, focus. We're going in. We're getting three things and we're out. You look at the floor the whole time. You, you watch my feet. You don't look up for nothing. Don't say nothing. Don't wave at nobody. You, my feet, follow me. Got it? Because like I'm an eye contact guy. Like, like I'll do my, and usually the nod will go into conversation, which will go into issues that they have or stuff that's going on. And, I, and like three hours in Walmart, just in the produce section, we haven't even got past the produce section because we're getting some stuff done there. You know what I'm saying? Or I'm just checking on their dog or how's life been since whatever. And it's just, and, and so... So I'm an eye contact guy, I'm a let's talk guy, I'm, a, I'm highly relational, probably too much sometimes, and so, um, but that's not what this kind of conversation was. This conversation was just uh, in, in talking with, with people that I know that I'm close to and just having conversations, and uh, that happened Thursday afternoon, uh, and then uh, that night, late into the night, as I'm sitting on the couch, gazing into my wife's beautiful blue eyes, see what I'm doing there? Having conversation. Uh, it comes up, and just kind of in that conversation with her, I felt the Holy Spirit kind of kind of nudge me there with, with a little something, and, and, and I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, d- did we mention the uh, uh, couples weekend retreat thing, state treat that's happening next weekend? You should come. It'll be awesome. It's going to be a great time. You can still sign up in the lobby, but anyways, uh, so as, as we're talking and um, having that moment on the couch and just kind of felt the, the Holy, Holy Spirit kind of nudge me in, in an area. And, and I did my best, I think up until about two o'clock Friday morning is what that would be considered, trying to convince like the Lord that maybe he, let, let's, let's push that back to another day. Like, like God, like I'm, like, I'm like, like 90% like through some stuff for Sunday. And um, I, I don't know how you talk to the Lord, but, but I just try to be very, I, I try to convince him to make sure that my way's not the right way or that, that I'm, and he assures me that he knows what he's doing far better than I do and that we'd probably circle back to Romans 1 at another time, but um, for, for today that this, this would be the direction that I want you to go and um, Acts 20 would suffice much better. We'll, we'll get to Romans, not the Romans that I thought we would get to, but we'll get to Romans here in a, in a little bit. And so, um, that conversation that I had, really a lot of conversation this week has, has kind of spurned from uh, what took place February 8th in Kentucky, um, what, is, what is being characterized as, as revival, um, Ashbury College and, and how something, I mean, something's happened there, right? I mean, so, something's going on. I mean, you, you see, yeah, you, you see a ton of people flocking there. You see services that are lasting into the morning. You see people uh, driving for miles. I mean, even like, like prominent 
um, uh, Christian uh, pastors and people in, 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 the, in the Christian world kind of going to see what's happening, what's taking place, and, um, and, and so it appears, something's happening, right? And a lot would describe that as, as revival, and, um, and I don't know if you're like me, sometimes we can become skeptical, I can become skeptical, or it, it's easy to, uh, to be skeptical. Is it real? I mean, come on now, is it real, is it not? I don't know if you've ever been to Kentucky, but if, if something's going to happen in Kentucky, it's God, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm from West Virginia, I'm the next... I'm just saying, go Wildcats. But I, like, I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm a West Virginia guy, so I mean, I get it, you know? Like, like, like God would show up in a place that would make no sense, and, and I'm just joking about that. But, um, but, but like, it, like I said, something, something's happening, something's going on. Is it? Is it not? And like I said, it's, it's easy to be skeptical. Is it real? Is it not real? Is this manufactured? Is this just something? And, um, and, and, and I will, I'll land at this place. God's doing something. God is doing something. And the way that we'll know is that time will tell, right? Let, let, let's, let's, let's give it time and let's see what happens and let's see what, what, what God does. And, uh, and, and we'll be able, to, we'll be able to, t- to test that and to see. And there's things in the scripture that we can do to, hey, make sure, is this real? Is it not? Is it of God? Is it aligned with, with who he is, his nature, his character, the, those type of things? And, uh, but like I said, it, it seems like God's doing something out of the norm. Which, which should excite us, right? It should excite us and it should, it, it should give us um, uh, uh, some encouragement that, that he's still working, that he's still moving, that, that, that he's doing. And, and I'm just reminded, I'm reminded of that scripture with the Apostle Paul. Paul Paul's in prison and they continue to uh, preach and continue to um, talk, talk, about, talk about Jesus and kind of share the gospel and things like that. And they come to him and they say, that, hey, you're, you're, you're critics. Uh, uh, those people are continue to do this. The, the same Jesus that Paul. And, and Paul's like, hey, who cares who does it? The main thing is that, that Christ is exalted and made much of, that his name is proclaimed, that it's about him. And so, uh, so, so I get to, to that place this morning. I mean, who's the headlines been about all this week? It's been about God, Right. It's been about look at what he's doing. Look at what's taking place. Look at what's happening. Look at, look at what, uh, what was broke out. And, and, and there's a lot of God on the forefront, which I think is an amazing, beautiful thing. And we should celebrate that. We should be excited about that. And in fact, like, that's my hope for us. Like, like every, every week, that's what I pray. God, move and work. Would, would you just do a work in us so great in the hearts of the people here? That it would break loose and take place and, and do something in our community like we've never seen or experienced before. That's my hope is that you would set this town ablaze for your glory and for your name. And, and you, you would use us somehow, some way to do that. That you would orient us around your word, your heart, your nature, your character, so much so that, that we, we would leave this place changed. Or maybe we don't leave this place for a while. Or maybe we do. I don't know what it looks like or what it means. But I know the driving force is for the heart of God. And so that, that's been my prayer for a long time here for New Life, here, here for the Church Universal. Not just here, but, but everywhere in the world. And, and so uh, I feel like God's kind of tweaked where, where we're headed this morning. We're going to look at this and we're going to see something in Acts 20 that I believe will help us kind of maybe figure out why uh, the church is in the condition she's in. And then we'll kind of uh, circle back up and around at the end uh, in, in Romans and, and look at what I think what we need to do, position ourselves in a way uh, that would allow God to move and pour out uh, his spirit and presence in us if he so chooses here in this place, this day, next week, whenever, however. And so the question I want to start out with before we, like who, like who wants to see revival? Who wants to be a part of revival? Who wants revival? Who, yeah, yeah, this, this is, inter- yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, me, yeah me, me too, me too. I think the problem, the problem is going to, going to be this, and, and I don't want to see a hands, but I, just, I want you to think about this. And I, I believe the problem is this next question I'm going to ask to follow up with that. We, we want revival. We want to see revival. I would even think that we would probably want to be a part of revival, but the problem would be is, is, is this. Who's willing to do whatever it takes to see that happen? No, no, no hands. Just, just think about that. And maybe you don't even fully know and understand what that question even means. We, we want it, we want to see it, we want to have it happen, we want to be a part of it, we want God to move and do, but, 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 but we have responsibility too. Yes, it's the outpouring of God every time, it's all Him. But the heart matters. The motive matters. The, the why matters. And what I love about what I've seen and, and read, and I haven't done a ton of reading or, or check up on it, I've, just, I've seen a little bit here and there, but, but what I love about it uh, there at that college is that uh, it's the church, yes, because the church are, are saved people, born-again people. Uh, that's the church where the people of God, uh, but it's not tied to a name of. 
You know what I mean? Like, like it's not tied to, to a name of it. In the environment, there's nothing special about it. I mean, they just come together, they're singing some songs, they're praying, they're, they're being transparent and open and vulnerable, they're, they're confessing sin, they're, they're hearing the word of God proclaimed, they're, they're praying, they're doing all of those things, just seeking God serious about God. And what does God do? He pours out his spirit. He pours out his presence. He works like only he can do. And I think what I've learned and seen in my lifetime is that the religious institutions, we just have a knack for, for kind of ruining a move of God. You know what I mean? Like, 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 like we want to get all up in it. We want to kind of dictate. We want to make sure. We want to uh, kind of like me talking to him late into the night, making sure that he understands and knows what he's supposed to be doing. Like, like he's forgotten in, in the equation. If, any, if anybody's going to get it wrong, it's not going to be him but it's going to be the pastor. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like in that relationship, I never have to worry about, I never have to struggle with him not doing his part. The problem is always going to fall on me. And, and like even Wednesday night, I'm back there teaching with the youth and I'm just, uh, and they are young, man. They are young and they are soaking it in and they're taking and they're listening to me for, thank God. I mean, and they're being respectful and doing it and listening. And, and, and I made the comment to them, like, guys, the thing about, the thing I love about being back there on Wednesday night with them even is, is it's like it's kind of like one of those things is as we get older we just get crustier you, you, know, you know what I mean like 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 we we get I guess maybe sanctified and kind of like dignified and kind of like whatever in a fide is like we get some of that stuff kind of going in us and we get all like 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 prim and proper and prestigious and and, and, we, and we just ruin it you know like, like like we can't we can't be the thing I love about youth is man is they're dumb and they don't realize they're dumb you were there, you know. And then what happened, like something happens and like that creativity of us kind of goes away and that excitement and life of us kind of goes away. And, and, and we, get, we, get, we, we learn systems and we learn how to kind of like, 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 like fake some stuff or we learn how to kind of hide some stuff and we learn how to, uh, to kind of cover things up as, as we get older. And, and, and they're too dumb to realize how to do that yet. And, and I love it because, because you can be real and you can be honest. You can, be trans- you can say stuff to them that, that I, I just don't, I mean, I feel like I could say it to you, but you probably wouldn't come back. So, so I want to kind of like easily say it to you. And so that's what I try to do. I try to ease into the water and I, I kind of uh, just watch it. it we'll, we'll see in a minute. But, um, but with them, they just come out and they just don't go, oh, yeah. oh he's talking about me. And they, they just keep listening. And they just go with it. And, and God will kind of get a hold of that. And God will kind of, kind of work. And he'll, he'll kind of he'll do. And, and, and I just, I, I love that. We can just get, I don't know, I guess very pharisaical, very quickly is what I'm talking about. We can make things, make it about things that God never intended for it to be about. We, 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 can, we, can, we can hijack it really, really quick. And, and that's why I wanted to ask that question about who, who is willing to do whatever it takes to see revival happen. And I'm not talking about some manufactured thing of man. I'm talking about a true outpouring of God in the lives of his people. I'm talking about God getting a hold of some hearts and doing some pretty cool, amazing things in them for his glory. To, to, to point people to him, to rescue and redeem, to draw people, draw people to him. So I'm, I'm going to ask you to join me as we pray. And we'll jump into Acts 20, verse 7 here in just a second. But if, but if you would join me as, as, as we pray and just ask, man, I just want to ask you to and just ask God to work, to move, to say, to do whatever he wants to do in this place. That, that, that he would just work and move like only he can and that he would have freedom that he would have freedom to do whatever it is that he sees fit in this morning. So if, if you join me, let's, let's pray and then we'll jump in. Father, we need you. God, I need you. Lord, I just, I just ask God. I know, um, Father, as we, we gather here in this place, I'd like to believe and like to think that the heart is to know more about you. The heart is to grow in you. The heart is to have our sin revealed. The heart is to uh, run headlong to the cross and uh, repent and to beg of you to work and do like only you can in our life. Father, that, that you, would, you would forgive, Father, that you would save, that you would uh, help us take another step in obedience even, even closer to you, Father, that you would work and do. Father, this is your service. We gather here for you. Father, it's all about your glory. It's all about your great name and whatever you see fit to do here, Father. We, we pray, I pray and I ask and I beg of you, God, do, do what we've seen this week here. God, God, and start with me. Oh, God, you know me. You know the sin and the junk and the struggle this week and the skepticism and the, and the, and the, and the stuff that I've just, just dealt with and fought through. And, and, and God, I just, I just, just, just wreck me. Break me. And Father, I pray that for everyone in this room this morning. We, the hands went up. Yes, we want revival. We want to see revival, Father. But, but I don't even know if I'm ready for that. 
I don't even know, if I'm just going to be honest, I don't even know if, if, if I'm willing to do the difficult work of laying myself bare before you. Father, there's certain areas in my heart and my life that I'm like, ah, God, you're going to have this, but not, you can't touch that area right now. And, and so, God, I just, I just pray all walls down, all doors open, everything unlocked, it's yours. And, Father, you press wherever you need to, and you do wherever you need to do. God, I, I know revival will never happen if the crazy on the stage won't get his heart right and his life right. And then just focused on you and in connection with you and walking after you. And so, Father, I pray that for me, God. I pray that for the men and women in this room. God, maybe even for the heart that don't know you as Lord, God, that maybe this morning would, would be their morning of salvation, that you rescue them, God, from sin and from self, and that you show them that, that you are the best way, that relationship would be had with you first and foremost. So, Father, we, we thank you, we praise you. God, we're going to give you glory, and we're just going to ask that you move and do whatever you see fit in this time. So then we pray, amen. So Acts 20, starting in verse 7, it, it says this. It says, on the first day of the week, uh, when we were gathered together to break bread. So, so, I, so what you see here is they've, they've come together, they're worshiping, right? You see the purpose of the meeting right out front uh, to take communion and to worship. That, that's what they've gathered for. You've got the Apostle Paul here, and he's going to uh, do some things in this gathering, in this meeting. And, and, and we'll see that here in, here in a few minutes. But, but they've, they've gathered, they've come together. And Paul's going to talk with them. He's going to share. He's going to uh, uh, just have conversation. He's going to proclaim all of those type of things. And, and Paul, he's, he's, excuse me, he's intending to depart the next day and to go and to continue uh, uh, to share the gospel, to check on the churches that's been planted. Uh, he, he's, he's intending to go around and continue to just care for and walk with uh, all the places that, that he's visited, his missionary journeys, th- things like that. And so what he does is he, he prolongs this speech. He prolongs this, this time together until, until late. It gets really, really late. And so usually what would happen is there would be discussion. They'd come together, they'd kind of be hanging out, talking, things like that, very relational uh, talking, and then there would be, be discussion that would take place and, and sometimes questions that would demand lengthy explanations, right? I mean, you've got the Apostle Paul here, and he says something. It's not like he just answers a question, you know? Like even the Bible uh, attests to the Apostle Paul being hard to understand, right? Like Peter makes a comment, yeah, even the Apostle Paul's difficult to understand sometimes. So I can imagine uh, th- these lengthy conversations and explanations. And, and so he's answering some questions before he preaches. And he's about to leave. And he's about to go on a long journey. Yet, yet his love for the church, his love for these people kept him here longer. And in verse 8, it lets us know that there were many lamps in the upper room where, where they're gathered. And so the church comes together in a house and it starts to get late. And, and what happens? Paul's answering those questions, beginning to preach. They light, they light those lamps so that they can see, so they can be aware of. And, and then look at what happens next in verse 9. And this is where I want to camp out for a bit and kind of press us and maybe bring some things to, our, to, to, to the forefront um, this morning. It says this, And a young man uh, named Euctus, uh, sitting in the window, he sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. I mean, so Paul's good, but, but, but I mean, like, dang, like, dude, you got the Apostle Paul and you're falling asleep? So, so I guess whenever people fall asleep at me, I should, that's, that should be no surprise, right? If you've got the Apostle Paul here and he goes long, which kind of opens up things for me maybe to go a little bit longer. If Anyways, that's a joke. No, strike that one. Um, but but when, you, when you see here, it, ta- it talks about this, this young man, and it gives his name there, and it talks about it. It, it suggested that, that this boy's probably anywhere from 7 to 14 years old. And so the verse continues to go. and says, And being asleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. So, so you see what's happening? Paul begins to, like, they have conversation. They begin to kind of talk. It goes into, to Paul begins to, 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 to preach, to talk, whatever he's doing here. And in that, the boy falls asleep in the window on the third story, and he falls out, and he dies. Falls to his death. That's what takes place. Which brings me to some observation. It may be a picture of what's, what's happened in the church. While, while we haven't experienced revival, while we haven't experienced uh, a move of God, and, and, and what I would say first is, is, is probably because the church has fallen asleep. Like, like, we, like, we've fallen asleep on some things. Like, like we've gotten complacent. We've, we've gotten lax in some areas. We've got, uh, whatever the case is, like, like we've, just, we've just gotten lackadaisical. We've gotten comfortable. Whatever the argument needs to be here, I believe that the church, and especially in America, is that she's just kind of fallen asleep. Just kind of taking a little nap, a little doze, whatever the, the case may be. And, and, and the dangerous part about that is when you do that, you, you begin to die. And, and that's what we see happen here. He falls asleep and he falls out to his death. And so I believe maybe that's why we have a difficult time of impacting our world. I, I believe that that's why maybe we have a, a difficult time making a difference or drawing people to Jesus. 
is because we've just we've kind of started to like snooze on some things and some things that should be important aren't important and some some things that should be uh, of the utmost aren't of the utmost and so in that what happens is we become complacent we become content we become busy with with things that really don't matter or things that aren't important we sacrifice what's great for what's okay or decent we become bored as the church, we, we become bored, and I think that's the thing that blows my mind, the thing that I see in today's world is that the church, she's just become bored. And, and my argument would be, I don't know how you can be a follower of Jesus and be bored. I mean, there's work to be done. There's people to talk to. There's opportunities to go and serve and give your life away. Like, you don't work where you work by accident. You don't live where you live by accident. You don't go where you're going to go here in the next however many hours by accident. You're not going to go tomorrow and do what you're going to do tomorrow by accident. It's, it's the sovereign uh, move of God to put you and to place you and to call you and to have you and to, uh, uh, to, to, to move you to different places and do different things and wire you in different ways. And, and, and it's for greater purpose. And so I just believe because sometimes we get bored or we get hard-hearted we just let sin creep in, and as we let sin creep in, then we just kind of get complacent with it and get kind of okay with it, and uh, uh, we start to uh, put meters on how, um, or, or gauges on how serious certain sins are compared to other sins, and we kind of become okay with it, and sin's not really that big of a deal. I mean, just a little sin's a little sin, right? Like, it's not, there's not much, it's okay, it's not like I did this, or I, uh, or I said that, or I just, like, when I use, I just use little words, not the big ones, or, or whatever the case is, we kind of become complacent and, and hard-hearted. Or, or we lack conviction over sin, or we become fake, or we just, just not a lot of alertness in us or hunger. And that's what happens when you fall asleep, right? It's hard to be alert. It's hard to be aware. It's hard to be hungry because you're kind of just in that comatose state of, of not caring and just kind of being and existing. And so we're not longing or yearning for, we're not real, we're not transparent, we're not sharing the gospel with. Like C.S. Lewis, he, he, he makes this statement, and, and I, just, I just, I get this, it just hits me, resonates with me. C.S. Lewis was someone who was an atheist, didn't believe in God, and on his journey to try to disprove God, he, uh, God gets him, and as he gets him, he saves him, and then he just becomes a mighty, mighty man of God. And it says, this is his quote that he makes. He says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. So, so what C.S. Lewis is saying is as, as he looks out and as he assesses the church, as he assesses believers, he would say the, the problem is that God doesn't see that our desires are strong, but, but that we're, we're, a little, we're a little weak. You know, like you go to the restaurant, you order sweet tea, you take a swig of it, and it's just like brown water. That, that, that's kind of the picture I get there whenever I read that, that quote. Like, and and that's, that's not just an awful taste unless you drink unsweet tea and you just like that, and that's weird if you do, but that's cool you do you, right? For me, I want to be able to chew it, you know? Like, like if, if I can't chew it, it's not sweet tea. But um, I heard an amen there. That's, that's what I'm talking about. So, so C.S. Lewis, he says, man, it's not that our desires, not that our, our longings are, are too strong, but, but they're, too, they're too weak. They're not strong enough. They're too weak. You can, like, see through. They're just not. He says, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. And then he says this, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by offer of a holiday at sea. Our desires are weak, and we're fooling around, messing around, playing around with things that, that, that continue to, to lessen those desires for the Lord, things that rob us of, of, the, of the true meaning of why we were created. And they may seem good and fun at the beginning, but, but what they do is they, they bring about death, is what he's saying. They, 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 they suck life from us. That's not what God has created us for. And he's like, we're like an ignorant child who wants to go about making mud pies in a slum. Like, what are mud pies good for? Nothing. There's no nourishment. There's, no, there's nothing in them and to them and with them. And he says that that's, that's what the church has become. That's what believers have become. Like, like, we're cool with just fooling around in the mud pits, making mud pies that are of no use and of no good, no, no sustenance or nutrients. When all the while what happened is this, is that, is that God has, has, has made an offer of a holiday at sea. Something great, something better, something of, of, of realness and influence. And he says this to end. He says, we are 
we are far too easily pleased. Far too easily pleased. And I would agree. I, I would agree. Like, like, like we, we would give it a little bit, but then that's about it. And if, it, it. and if it's any kind of energy has to be exerted in something or cost in something, whether that's financial or of my time or of my energy, whatever it may be, well, I just, nah. No, that, well, that church only expects this. That church only wants that much, or I only have to do that, or they don't. I mean, we, we, don't, we don't seek, we don't beg, we don't implore. I, I would agree with this whole thought that, that, that our desires are, are not too strong, but too weak, and our desires for everything else. I mean, they get amped up, don't they? They get way before us, and, and we'll, be, we'll be all in, and we will run after really, really quick. I mean, there's so many different things that will just distract us or, or cause us to, to weaken our, our desire for the Lord. I, I mean, let, let me ask you this. How many, how many I'm going to go hours because I believe that it's, we're at that point in that place in our world today, but, but how many hours have you spent on social media this week compared to relationship with God? And I say that as one that's guilty. Like, I, I don't have screen time on for purpose because that scares me to death of what it would say. I mean, but, but how, many of us, how many of us have time to do that stuff? But, but what, is, what is our, and I even said it this morning, God forgive me. I even said, how should we be? Oh man, I'm busy. Well, I'm busy. And we are, right? We, 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 live, we, we live in probably the busiest era ever. We've got so much stuff going on, so much things that needs to be done, so much stuff to get accomplished, so much da 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 whatever. I mean, I've got three kids. You, you, get, you people got kids. You know what it's like. Or you work a job, or you do this, or you do that, or you volunteer, whatever. But we don't have any time for anything except what we want to do or what's most important to us or what we desire the most or what brings us the most happiness in the moment. I mean, I'm the same way. I mean, I'm the same way. Something that distracts us. I mean, have we spent time with, with, with the Lord that much? Have we, have we sought Him that much? Have we desired Him that much? We, we want to know why God won't do a move in the church today or He won't do a move in our presence. It doesn't happen in an hour on a Sunday morning. You want the presence of God. You want God to show out, show up, show something, do something in the midst of us. It happens, it happens when we leave this place. It happens tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock. It happens, it happens Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Fridays. It happens in that span. And this should just be an overflow. That's what this should be. I mean, you want God to do something cool here. You, you, are you, did you come expecting it? And have you come positioned in a way that he'll do that? And if you're spending 30 hours on social media this week and two minutes with him in his word, I'm just here to tell you he's not going to do a thing for you. He's not your main focus. He's not your main concern. I don't even know. He's not even your God in that moment. Because your God is the thing you long for, seek, want, worship, desire more than anything else. And if it's 30 hours social media and it's, but I read my verse of the week, I kind of memorized it a little bit. Or I read three verses this week. I don't remember what they said, but I, but I read them. But I know what my neighbor from six moves ago had for dinner on Wednesday night. And I cannot believe, you'll never believe who they invited over to their house. And you know that, that ugly chair that we just couldn't stand? Well, it's gone now. I wonder what they did with like, we'll remember that ridiculous stuff, but we won't even know what we read. We won't even remember what we prayed for. We, we won't give it that kind of attention and time. The, the writer of Hebrews says this, Hebrew, Hebrews 2.1. He, 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 warns, he warns the church, and I believe that this, this is the church, kind of the same, uh, same condition uh, that, that we're in today in our world, same, same state kind of stuff that they're, uh, they're facing, just look. Looks a little different, but, but the same thing. He says this in, in Hebrews 2, 2, 1. I believe we just kind of get a, a picture of what that looks like. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard. We, we need to be aware. We need to hear. We need to process. We need to do. We need to pay attention. We need to wake up. See, the author of Hebrews is saying, church, wake up. Hey, get your attention on what's most important. Focus back in. Like, I don't know about you, but dang it, I have a hard time focusing. So I take medicine. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But, but is that not the world we're in? Is that not the day that we're living in? The world does not want us to pay attention to anything. 
It wants us to be so scatterbrained, so focused. Oh, look at that. What about over here? Well, look at that. Oh, what did you have for lunch? I don't know. What are you having for lunch? Let's go eat lunch. You want lunch? Eat lunch. But what about dessert? Oh, dessert. I mean, we're, we're everywhere all the time. And we're never focused in. We're never homed in. We can never focus. And we want to blame it on everything. The problem's us. We, we've allowed, allowed that we can cut out other things or we can do other things. The problem is the heart and the motive. The problem is not the stuff that gets our attention. The, the problem is that we've allowed it, that we've let it seep in, and, and, and that's what you see here in Hebrews, that we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard. We need to hear it, we need to process it, we need to do it, we need to be aware of, we need to be a conjugate to it, see it. Why? Lest we drift away from it. This isn't far removed from the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. I mean, I mean we're, we're, at, least, at least we've got over 2,000 years on our side, right? Like, oh, like 2,000 years, like we can forget some stuff in 2,000 years, right? We know we have the Bible and we have the Holy Spirit. He won't let us, but anyways, whatever argument you want to try to make. But they're not far removed from that reality. And, and look at what the, the author says. Hey, but pay, pay attention. Pay, remember what you've heard. Be aware. L- look at, look for, see, don't, don't move. Pay, hey, wake up, church, wake up. That may seem good, that may sound right, that may look okay, that may be, it's not, pay attention. Test it and see, does it, does it align with, with the scripture? Does it align with the heart and nature of God? Why, wow, lest we drift away from it. See, the tendency is to drift. We're going to drift. You're going to drift. I'm going to drift. We're all, we're all going to drift. We're going to drift because that's the tendency of the heart, is it not? We're, we're going to drift. And what normally happens is not a drift toward holiness, but a drift toward self and sin. Pleasure, sin, me, adrift away from the things of God. And if we're not paying attention, we will wake up and we will look and we'll be at a place that we never meant to be. And I believe that's what we're seeing in the church today. I believe that that's what we see taking place. And what we see is God starting to stir a little bit in some people. And the thing I love is it's like those people, you know what I'm saying? I like, we're all a little bit older. We don't have a whole lot of Gen Z. I don't even know what Gen Z is, but like the, that. We found one. Um, <laughs> I'm just joking. Jade, we love you. You know that. But the thing I love is like, it's like that group of people are starting to get it. I said, I said on this, this platform, what, weeks ago. I said it again Wednesday night as I got to stand before the youth. I mean, we've, we've got kids making cards for their janitors at their school that says Jesus loves you praying for you. We won't even tell our neighbor that. We won't tell the person we work next to in the cubicle with that. And we have a little sixth grader telling their janitor. Uh, we have, uh, what, what, what's, what's her age, your daughter's age again? Second grade. Stirring up conversation in the classroom about the gospel. A second grader, a sixth grader. I looked at those youth Wednesday night and I said, you put, you put this room to shame. You put the, the majority of the crosses in the lobby where we're trying to share the gospel with a thousand people this year. And we should have, church, we should have done that in a week. Uh, two weeks, maybe. I mean, we're barely pushing almost 200. If, if, we're not even close to that, 150. And we've got, we've got God is, is using, well, because we're too crusty, as I said. We're too worried about what people think. We're too worried about what people say. We're too worried about, uh, will I get invited? Will I I get a like or an unlike? What will happen? I might lose my job. Praise God. Some of you need to lose your job for the glory of God. Just love you enough to tell you the truth. This is where you'll get mad and not come back next week. But that's fine. I've got you for the next hour and a half, so we'll just keep going. But but we've, the drift is to self and sin and comfortability and sleep and complacency. That's the drift. And he's saying here in Hebrews, don't pay attention, pay much closer attention, look. You, you end up drifting. And, and I, just, I just believe that's, that's what's happened in the church. That's what's taken place. And so, so we see the boy fall out of the window. He's dead. And then, and then look at what Paul does here in verse 10. But, but Paul went down and bent over, over him and... and uh, uh, taking him in his arms, he said, do not be alarmed for his life is in him. So God uses the boy to, res- God uses Paul to restore the boy's life. And, and again, here we go again. But yeah, but was he really dead? Like, you know, like, like, like we want to be, uh, I don't, was, he, was he fully dead? Was he not? Was he really, was he kind of just knocked out maybe? Maybe concussion? He's concussed. That's what happened. I was rolling the back of his head. Shallow breathing. We couldn't really tell. They don't, I mean, they don't have the pulse meter things, you know, like they can't put your finger in the oxygen thing to know if, is he really, is he not? 
Let's, let's get a heart monitor on it. We can't, we can't, um, we don't know. I mean, it says dead, but is it really dead, dead? Like how dead is dead? I mean, that's a good question, right? These are all plausible. When was the last time you fell from the third floor and made it? Like, like I fall off one step and I'm done for a week, you know? So like, like, like I, I get, okay, he's probably gone. And then Luke, like, do you know, like, like the, author, uh, the author of the book of Acts, Luke, the, the man that pins it, he's a doctor. Luke is a doctor in this day. And, and I'm pretty sure he would be able to determine whether or not someone's dead. The, the people there in, in the moment, I'm pretty sure that they would be aware of whether or not the boy's dead or if he's alive. And even here when the Apostle Paul, when he says, hey, don't be alarmed, what it implies, what it says in the original language, what, what that means is that, uh, that, that there's this huge uproar with much lamenting. I mean, they're broken. They're devastated over what's taken place and what's happened. I mean, us in 2023, we're kind of like, ah, yeah, but how dead was he really? Just roughed up a little bit, knocked out, concussed. I mean, what happened really there? Maybe not. But, but the people that experienced it and saw it, saw that the dude was dead. That he was gone. That, that he wasn't there. They experienced and they saw God work and move. And they weren't critical. They weren't scared. No, 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 no. Paul quit. He needs to be dead. Let him be dead. Let's put him back down. Somebody get something. Let's knock him in the head. Let's, no, 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 no. They celebrated the fact that he was dead. Now he's alive. That should be a picture of us, church. We, we should be excited. We should be happy for when, when God works and God does. And then, then look, look, at how it, look at how it winds down here in verse 11. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he, can, he conversed with them a while longer until daybreak, and then he departed. I'm just blown away by this. I mean, like, like this just, I don't know, it just stirred in me over the last couple of days as I read, as I thought, as I pondered, as I prayed a little bit. Church is gathered. They're going to break bread. They're going to worship. They're going to hear Paul. Kid falls asleep. Late in the night, falls asleep, falls out the window, dies. Everyone's upset. God uses Paul. Paul's a willing vessel to be used there. Brings the boy back to life. And then Paul goes back to what he was doing and preaching. And they take communion. And then he departs as the day breaks. And I'm like, this is just a normal day for the Apostle Paul. Is it not? I mean, I mean you, you read his life. You look at it. I mean, this is just like a normal day for him. I mean, like, like, like I'm done for the rest of the year if this happens. Like, just know, you fall out here this morning, and I get to, like, kind of come over there and pray, and you, God brings you back. I'm like, I'll see y'all next, next of February. I'm out. But, but not, not the Apostle Paul. Like, like he, he's, he, this, this is, this is him. He's in, he's aware, he's following, he's seeking. And, and so this is the scripture God used to kind of just stir my heart this week, the last couple of days about revival. Because church revival stems from desperation, that's where revival stems from. It's almost like if you've been in the hospital and like you hear the code blue called, and what the code blue does is it alerts the medical staff and the team that's assigned to responding to this specific life or death emergency. And so this emergency deals with life support and resuscitating the patient. They're gone. They need to be brought back. And I just believe what we can see in our world in day to day is that the church is in a code blue. Like, like, like we, need to be, we need to be woke and not that kind of woke. We need to be awakened by the presence of God and the Spirit of God to make us aware of and for us to see and for Him to break our heart and to crush us and to put us back together. For us to be, to be seriously after because revival means, the repart means again, the vibe means to bring back to life. So it's to bring back to life again. And, and it's, it's out of desperation because the people of God have fallen asleep. And the thing about revival, revival is for the church. Revival is for us sitting in this room this morning who have half-heartedly followed the Lord or half-heartedly served the Lord or half-heartedly went in for the Lord or half-heartedly done anything for, for God. It's for us to be, to be awoken. It's for us to be made aware of. It's for us to have uh, our attention drawn back to who God is and what He's done for us. Not, not to become complacent, not to become uh, uh, content. And so revival is for the body, it's for the church. And, and it originates in the reality that, that God is the giver of all spiritual life to humans. That, that even those who are, are born again from time to time will drift, right? Just like what we saw in Hebrews. 
that, that will drift into all kinds of lifelessness, backsliding, apathy, contentment. And what we see in history, if you, if you read about revivals, if you follow uh, of any of the revivals of old, what we see about it is that there's, there's no exact prescription for revival. It's just the act of the sovereign God, and, and we can't dictate uh, what he should do and when, when he should do it. But that he just, for whatever reason, in himself pours it out upon the people and makes them aware of their, their stagnant, their complacent, uh, their drifting, uh, their, their, their sleepiness, whatever the word, their okayness with sin, their, uh, their, their, their half, whatever. And so, so, so you want revival, you, you want to be serious about this, you need to submit and position yourself in a desperate state before God. In a desperate state before God. And so to close, what I want to do is I just want to read some scripture here and I want to pray that the Holy Spirit would do that and, and make us aware of. And in that, my prayer, my hope is that you don't give a rip who's sitting next, beside, next to you or beside you or what they know about you or don't know about you or what they may think about you or what they don't think about you. Because hear me, nothing will squash the move of God quicker than your worry about what somebody else in this room would think. I'm just saying and, and, but that's what Satan wants you to think. That's what he wants you to be aware of. That's what he wants you to, to worry the most about. Like, oh gosh, what will they think if they, if they knew that I did this? What will they think if they knew that I thought like that or if I, I, I acted like that or if I did that? And so revival happens when we're aware of and we don't care. And our only focus and our only concern and our only desperation is for God. So Romans 12, 9 says this, it says, let love be genuine. So, so what Paul is saying is this, let love be real, genuine, not, not this fake counterfeit junk that we see in our world, but, but, but be, be all in. It's that agape type love. It's that God type of love committed to in, let, let, let your love, let your love be real. The way that you love, the way that you, you walk and letting, and love being real doesn't mean that you just turned a blind eye to, that you just let whatever go, that you just let whatever happen. It doesn't matter. That, that's not love. That was what we would uh, define as hate. Like if you know something to be true and you're going to love somebody enough to let them continue to do it, that's not love, but that, that's the opposite of love. So he says, let love be genuine, let love be real. And then he says this, he says, abhor what is evil. Abhor is, is to hate, despise, have nothing to do with. Nothing to do with. What evil, what anything that's opposite of God, that's what evil. Good, God is good, God is loving, God is gracious, God, God is, is, is everything on that side, and, and evil is the opposite of. And he says, abhor what is evil. And church, I believe one of the issues with the church is that we love just a little bit too much of the world. That we care a little bit too much about the world. We, we care a little bit too much about what it has to offer, what we can get from it, what it can do for us. But man, I really, really, it makes me feel fuzzy and I just want it. And, I, and we like that more than what we like of what God has created us for. And, and what Paul says here is abort. I hate it. I have nothing to do with it. Stay away from it. And this is what he even follows up with. Hold fast to what is good. I, I mean... Like, yeah, I've got, I've got a two-and-a-half-year-old, and when he gets a hold of something that he's not supposed to, and you catch it, if you can catch him, and he's got those little grips on their... I have never seen power and strength like that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, especially when it's like, like a, a piece of chocolate at 9.30 at night. First of all, it's never Dad's fault. It's always Mama. She put it down too low. It has to be. Couldn't be me, right? But to try to take that from him... Is an act of God. And when I read this, this is what I hold fast. You cling to and you, you, you grab it and you don't let anything pry your fingers from it. What is good? <clears throat> and what's good is what's God. His heart, his nature, his character. Th those type of things. Th that's, what you, that's what you hold fast to. That's what you grip to. And the way you find out and the way that you know is, is through his word. It's through being in his presence. It's through talking to him. It's through fellowship with other believers. Hold fast to what is good. What is honoring to God. What makes much of him. What is his heart, his character, his nature. And then he goes on and he says this. And I just believe the church, we've gotten really bad at this too. He says, love one another. How? With brotherly affection. Th that picture again is, 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 is com committed all in for Two, for the good of the other person. Love each other that way is what he says. And then he follows it up with and gives us a little bit more instruction. He says, outdo one another in showing honor. 
When was the last time you just celebrated somebody to celebrate them? When was the last time that, that you tried to outdo your spouse in loving and caring for, in serving, in, in, in doing something for? When was the last time you tried to outdo one of your coworkers? Not so that you'd be recognized, so that they could be recognized, they could be positioned, they could be the ones that could have, be applauded or have their, ba- uh, their backs padded or, or the ones that could maybe, maybe they could be recognized and known. That, that's what he's saying here. I mean, to, to outdo one another in showing honor. I mean, to celebrate someone else over you. To make the post not about you, but, but about someone else. Yeah, but they, you're right. None of us deserve, if we're going to be honest about it. But to care for somebody that way. He goes on in verse 11. says, do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Good lands. Don't be slothful. Don't be haphazard, half-hearted. Be fervent in spirit. Be, be alive and awakened and in tune with, walking with God, submitting to God. Serve the Lord. When was the last time you served the Lord? When was the last time you give your life away? And, and it cost you something. Uh, we, we have conversation around here all the time. I'm going to take a second. You're sitting in here. This is good. This is good. You can call it guilt tripping, you can call it conviction, whatever you need to call it. This is, I'm just, we're going to go there, right? I said I could talk to kids and be real with them. I'm going to be with you. We're pressing 11.15, so just buckle up. We'll get there. And, 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 and that's the thing, too. Like, like you want revival, you want to be serious. You're, you're, we're serious about what's coming next, but we need to be serious and in the moment here. And I know they tell us that studies say that we can only last six minutes paying attention. I think that's nonsense. We can, because I can sit in front of a game or I can sit in front of a lot of other things and I can pay attention for however long. Okay, so I'm coming back to where we're at. Sorry, that was free. So, what did I say? I said serving the Lord. So, so a lot of our conversation here and around and in this place has been how, how can we do a better job of getting people plugged in and getting people serving? I, I don't know if you're aware, but the last few weeks we've had over 60 kids in our children's ministry. Yeah. Now, now be careful because you're clapping and I'm going to ask you a call to action. So we can celebrate them lovely little things getting here, but don't ask me to do anything with them because I need this. And I would argue they need you more than you need this in here right now would be my argument. Now, I'm not saying you don't need to be in here. We need to be in here. We need to celebrate. We need to give our life. We need to, we need to worship. We need to hear. We need to, yes, we need the corporate gathering. But did you know that if the people in this church would sign up to give their life away, that you would be able to be in here three out of four, four out of five, five out of six weeks every, every time? And it wouldn't cause other people to have to be out of here two to three times a month. So we need you to give your life away and to serve. Oh, but I'm just, I just, you know, I'm not called to kids either, and I got three of them. They aggravate the mess out of me. They frustrate me. They are messy. I am like put together and try to have things, and they mess everything up. They will aggravate, they will frustrate, they will, and they're, they're going to do it here too. You know why? Because I was one of those kids in one of those classes one time. And that's what I did. And, and I had a Cindy Raider in my life who loved me and cared for me and got on the floor with me. Rough, we want you to rough them up. Yes, you can rough them up in, in a godly right way, um, um, in a way that doesn't get us reported, but, but in a way that can... But I had a Cindy Raider in my life who loved me and cared for me and got on the floor with me and roughed me up and played Play-Doh with me and shared Jesus with me. And I believe that I'm a product of a Cindy Raider in my life back whenever we would go to church some. And all I know is this, is that I had a reputation growing up in the day. Like I was that kid in the nursery. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about if you serve in the nursery. There's some of that kids in here. I'm the preacher. I know it's mine all the time. It's just automatically I know my kids are going to be some of those kids. I'm cool with that. You just help me get them better and pray for me a lot and pray for them a lot. I'm good with that. But I was one of those kids growing up. And she loved me and she cared for me enough. And thank God she didn't say, well, you know what, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm just not, I, I, I know, he's, he's a mess and he's, he's this and he's that. And it's obvious his parents aren't even aware of, but whatever. But uh, no, 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 she cared and she knew and she'd give her life away and she served. And in serving, I believe that God used that to shape me and mold me into the guy that I am today. And that I stand here today as a result of what she did selflessly giving her life away. And, and all I know is this. Yeah, okay. Nobody's fallen out dead yet. God's not done with you. God's not done with you. And it's not time to check out. It's not time to give up. It's not time to quit. It's not time to, if, if, if there's an opportunity, that's what it says. It doesn't say, okay, it doesn't say this. It doesn't say serve the Lord where it's fitting. 
Or, or serve the Lord where, where you really, it's like, like the most appealing to you. Or serve the Lord where, uh, no, be fervent in spirit and just serve the Lord. I mean, is there an opportunity for me to get involved in the game? Then get involved in the game. Do you know what I do in a week that I don't want to do? There's a, ton, there's a ton of stuff that I do every week that I have no desire to do. But God didn't ask my opinion if I wanted to do it or not. I'm a part of the family. What does family do? Family picks up the slack when it's needed. Family gets involved. Why? Because it's for the better good of the kingdom. And in that, God shapes me and molds me, and he teaches me a lot about myself that I maybe wasn't quite aware of. When it's done for me to stop serving, I'll be in glory with him. He's not done. You want revival? Give your life away. You want to learn how not to drift? Quit being so focused on you and your wants and your likes and your needs and your desires and your whatever and focus more on his. Man, and how can I serve the Lord? How can I give my life away? What can I do for him? And he goes on in verse 12. He says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Revival will never happen if we're not people of prayer. If we're not people, constant in prayer, not pray sometimes, not pray before your meal, not pray right before you go to bed, but, but constant in prayer. All, there's never a moment where we're not praying. J. Edwin Orr, he says this about it. He says, no great spiritual awakening has begun anywhere in the world apart from united prayer. Christians persistently praying for revival. If you go back and read and study and look at when revival breaks out, it's usually tied to a few people who are serious before the Lord begging of a move of God. Begging that God would move and work and do. Begging that God would show up. Begging God would change hearts. Begging God to, to help people be awakened to the realness of who he is and the seriousness of following after. You want revival? We've got to pray. We've got to seek. He says this, contribute to the needs of the saints. Seek to show hospitality. Uh, contribute to the needs of... What, what, what need? It doesn't matter what the need is. Contribute to it. Be a part of it. Give away. Live life like this, not like this. Seek to show hospitality. How can you show hospitality to someone? How can you welcome someone? How can you take care of someone? Seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Now, oh, hold up, hold up. That's taking it a bit far, don't you think? See, that's why you love Paul and you hate him at the same time. You're like, duh. But, but he, was, he was that guy that modeled that, was he not? Like you couldn't do anything to the apostle Paul. You arrest him, you throw him in prison, what happens? He gets all your guards saved. Now you've got a problem because now they're all saved. So you don't do that, you take him out and you beat him. And what does he say? I am not worthy to be counted, to be able to do the same affliction as my Savior. So if you beat him, he praises God for you beating him and consider him even worthy to be beat. You, you leave him alone, he continues to preach the gospel. You threaten to kill him, he's like, all right, to live as Christ, to die as gain. I mean, you couldn't do a thing to him. Nothing. And what he says here is to contribute to the needs of saints. Seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute. When's the last time you blessed someone who, who persecuted you? Who said something false about you? Who made things up? Whatever the case is. He says, bless and don't curse. And then I love this. He gets here in verse 15. He talks, starts to talk about unity. He, he says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. When was the last time you celebrated something that somebody did? When was the last time you celebrated it more than anything else? Even if you deserved it, or if they deserve it, they didn't deserve it, whatever, you just celebrate, rejoice with those who rejoice. When was the last time you were broken over something for somebody else? They were sick, they were hurting, they were struggling. And you come alongside and you struggled with them and you cared for them and you cried for them. And you, we don't do life like that. We don't let people in like that. And I get it, I know, like, dang it, if you really knew me, what would you think? I know exactly what you would think, because some of you do know me. Because you know what the heart of man's like. And I struggle with that from time to time, just like everybody else in the room. I'm selfish. I'm self-centered. I say things I shouldn't. I, I talk about things I shouldn't. I look at things I shouldn't. I chase after things I shouldn't. I, I, I look like everybody else in the room. But the problem is, like, we've doctored up, and we've made it look all pretty, and we've tried to, oh, my gosh, if they know me. You're right if they know you. But no, you know who knows you and who still moves towards you? Jesus does. So all i got to say is if, if somebody knows you and they don't move toward you, you don't need them in your life. Because what I know and what it better be said about this place is that there's a lot of other people that would love to know you and move towards you even in the mess of it. Because we all have the mess of it. Every single one of us. And this isn't pretty and nice and have it all together. That's not what church is. And that's where revival stems. That's where revival takes place. When I don't give a rip what they think. I give a rip of what God thinks. And I care about what he says and, and what he knows. And, and he still loves me. I want to move toward him. When was the last time you rejoiced with someone who was rejoicing or was broken over 
He says in verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Live in the har- Uni- The church should be unified. We should be, yeah, we're going to have little differences and little things that maybe we don't see eye to eye on and everything, but the main things are the main things. We're unified. We're together. We're moving in one direction together with. That's what he says. We're unified and together. Live in harmony. Don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. I don't even know what lowly is, but when was the last time you associated with lowly? What does that look like? What, what, what does that mean right now? So, somebody that maybe is not as good as you, or not as whatever good is, or what, whatever, not in the place that you're at. Don't be wise in your own sight. It's not your wisdom. It's not your advice. It's not what you know, but it's what God knows. Don't be wise. And then in verse 7, he says, Repay no evil for evil, but, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Respond in a way that brings glory and honor to God, what's honorable in the sight of all. He says this in verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceable with all. It depends on you. You do everything that you can, church, believer, follower of Jesus, to live peaceable with everybody you can. Now hear me. It doesn't mean that you just go with the flow or you just overlook or you just let whatever happen. I mean, we can still speak truth and love. And I don't think behind the screen is a place to do it as we post about it. I think if we don't care enough to go face-to-face with them, we don't need to care enough to put it out there on social media for everybody else to know about. That's, that's not, no. We, we call out, we walk with, we're committed to. Live peaceably with all. Verse 19, he says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. He says, To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he starts to give him something to drink, for by doing so, you'll heap burning coals on his head. And then look what he says in verse 20. He says, do not, become, do not be overcome by evil. Don't let evil slip in, remember? He says, abhor that, hate that, have nothing to do with it. Seek, seek what, what God is, who he is. And that's what he says, but overcome evil with good. So as the band comes back up, that's weighty, that's heavy. I, I don't know where you're at this morning, I don't know what God stirred in your heart. But, but I know when I read that list, there are things on that list that I'm like, dang it, I've got to do better. I've got to care for I've got to walk better. I've got to hate this thing. I've got to love this thing. I've got to uh, get rid of this. I've got to do this. I've got to be open and obedient. I've got to just, oh God, what is it you're calling me to? What is it you want to do in my life? What is it? And, and so I don't know what God stirred in your heart this morning. I don't know what he said. I don't, know what, I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know what's happening inside of you. I know what I've prayed for this week. I've prayed that God would say, because I believe there's people here that probably know about Jesus, but don't know him personally as Lord and Savior. That you've come, that you've gathered in this place, or maybe you come all the time, maybe you come sometimes, maybe you're kind of just on the front. I don't know where yet, but I, just, I, just, I struggle to believe that everybody here knows Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now, I think we, we know a lot about him. We can say some things about him, but, but have we ever submitted and give our life faith? All in for whatever it is he asks and cast ourselves completely and utterly on him? That's revival. That's miracle. That's God bringing the dead to life. And, and I just want to encourage you this morning because what it would take for you to stand up and say, you know what, I don't know Jesus as Lord, but I know him. I know a lot about him. And you've came year in and year out. You've got the t-shirts. You've done the things. You've signed the papers. You've, whatever the case is. But, but there's never been real faith and heart transformation, a hatred of sin, and a longing for holiness. And if that's you, that's quite all right. Just know the gospel's been proclaimed, and the gospel is for you. And if you want revival, that's where it starts. Getting past the prophetess of, what will they think or what will they say? I'm going to tell you right now what this church would think and what they would say, because if they know, I'm going to kick their tail. A holy kicking for the glory of the Lord. I'll tell you right now what the church would do. We would celebrate like crazy. And I don't care if you faked it all these years or whatever the case is. The fact that you have the, uh, the you're willing to leave the Protestant side and say, look, I need Jesus as Savior. And I've pretended and I've faked and I've done this and I've said the right things and I've known some of the right stuff, but I've never submitted fully my life to him. We're going to clap and we're going to go crazy and we're going to celebrate the fact that you are willing to step up and step out in that condition, that place. 
Or if you're here today and there's sin in your life and you want to repent, you want to run to the, to the cross and you want to just say, God, I'm sorry and you want to confess that and you want to be open and you want to just, just ask God to do a work in your heart to break your heart. over that. I, I, don't, I can't tell you the amount of time I have to do that in a week. Dang it, God, I did it again. Ah, oh, my heart longed for that and it shouldn't have. Ah, oh, I went after that and it shouldn't have. Oh, God, forgive me. Help break my heart and I'll call my guy and I'll say, look, I did it again. He's like, what'd you do, Scott? Because like my guy's also like the guy that does some landscaping stuff for me too. He's like, did, did your water problems? Flower dying again? What's, what's going on? No, no, it's not that problem. It's, it's my heart problem. What's happening? I'll be able to confess it. I'll be able to share it. He'll pray for me. He'll kick me sometimes. He'll pat me sometimes. He'll do a number of things to encourage and to press me along. So is it, is it sin in your life that you need to confess? Confess to the Lord, repent of, confess to somebody else. And so I just want to end the same way I started. Who, who wants to see revival now? I don't, want, I don't want to show of hands here, but I just want you to think in really in your heart. Who is willing to do whatever it takes to see that happen? Because I believe that's where, that's where it lies. That's where the issue lies. And, and I believe Romans 12 there kind of helps us see some of those things. So, so who's willing to step out in that regard? and be made known, repent, seek, pray, hunger for, confess, celebrate others, serve, give your life away. Who, who is willing to, to step out and to do, do whatever it takes to position yourself and put yourself in, in a place of, of worship and vulnerability before the Lord? Because church, hear me, it's not going to happen if we don't. If we give one iota, I don't even fully know what an iota is. If we give one iota about what somebody else in this place thinks. God's not going to bless that and use and work and move in that. See, I think that's what's been so amazing and beautiful about what I've read this week. It's you've got a group of kids that gather to seek the Lord. And you know what? They may not have it all right. They're, they're, whatever might not all be aligned and it might be permanent. It might not, but what they do have in common is that they're hungry for God. And it's a group of, of people that we look at, oh, they, they're, just, they're just out sowing their wild oats, doing life, doing whatever. They, they, they don't really, nah. And God is using those people to shake us, those who think we've got it, think we're put together, dignified, holy, religious folk. That's what I love about it, is that God just shows up in random places and he just drops his presence and his Holy Spirit in the middle of that. No rhyme, no reason. Just a few people who are serious about seeing the move of God. Because they've positioned themselves in a way that would allow God to move and work and do. All for his glory. All for his name. That's enough for their church. That's enough for there. And I preach my guts out week in and week out to try to get us there. I pray my heart out week in and week out to get us there. I beg of him to do that same thing here. Every week, it's the same. God, save the lost. God, stir in hearts. God, make us aware. God, do something so crazy for your name that no one else can explain it. Not for our glory, not for... I don't even care if new life gets anything about it. God, that's what I want you to do. That's who I want you to be. So I don't know what he's stirred in your heart. I don't know what has happened in your heart. I don't know what, uh, maybe today is the day of salvation for you. Maybe today is the day that you finally confess and repent of that sin. And you confess it to somebody else too. Because I mean, it's, it's great that you tell the Lord, but somebody else needs to know so they can hold you accountable and love you and walk with you. And I don't think you just go telling everybody in the room, but you find somebody who cares for you, you find somebody who loves you, you find somebody who's committed to you and seeing you grow in the Lord. And you tell, and you find accountability, and you walk with and you find encouragement, you find unity, you find celebration, you find those things that we just saw in the Word. So, so I just want you to be obedient in this moment as God leads. We're 11.32, it's all right. We'll probably get to 11.33 and 11.34, 35, we'll probably see 12. We'll probably, I don't know what we'll see. But that little thing doesn't matter. What matters is that you linger in the presence of God is that you ask him and beg him to move. That, that you get serious. Like I, I say, that, I get serious with him. Do work with the Lord. Press in and pray and ask him to show and reveal and to work and to move. 
And so you, you be obedient to God's leading. If I'll go sit with the kids in the gym, you probably like, no, because you'll rough them up. We don't want you roughing them up. But huh, I'll do whatever we need to do to let God do what he needs to do. So you be in the presence of the Lord this morning. We've got communion. I've got communion out again. If you want to take communion this morning and celebrate him, remember as often as you do that, you celebrate him until he comes. Last week we looked at that. If you want to, if, if that's what God moved in your heart to do, communion's out. You're more than welcome to do that. If you want to come pray, if you just want to sing, if you want to sit and just think on what, what God said to your heart this morning by way of the, you be obedient to whatever it is that he's called you to do in this moment. You be obedient. Sing, pray, read, confess, repent, whatever it is that God calls you to in this time. Father, help us this morning to hear from you. Not care what man thinks, what man says. But God, just be, just be aware and awake here in this moment in your presence. God, nothing manufactured, nothing fake here, nothing, not trying to copy or emulate anything. We're just asking that you show yourself in a real way. God, that, that you would stir in the hearts of people sin, that you would draw them to your cross. Father, that you, the gospel would be prevalent in their life to remind them of who you are and what you've done for them. And Father, if there's a heart here that don't know you, God, I pray that you save. God, I pray you rescue and redeem and save. Father, I pray that this will be a place that people find community, find fellowship, find relationship with you and with others, where we really care about what we just saw in the scriptures, where we really, where we really leave that, live that out. We, we, we celebrate with those who celebrate, we mourn with those who mourn or who are broken, who are hurting, that we encourage like, like none other. Father, that, that's my heart, that's my longing, and that's what I'll fight for till I die. So God, just work and move. I pray fall heavy in this place now as a result of your word. Nothing that I've said or nothing that I've done, nothing that this people on this, on this platform has done, Father, but just true pouring out of your spirit and your presence to draw us. Father, we love you. We need you. In your name we pray. Amen.